good morning, Trace. How we doing this morning? 11 o'clock crowd. You got a little extra sleep. Come on, I can hear you. a little bit more. How you doing this morning? There it is. All right. My name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks so much for being here with us this morning. I want to say welcome to all of you in this room. Student section. I can hear not bad, not bad. We've, been, we've worked on it from last time. That's good. All right. Hey, I also want to say welcome to those of you watching online today. And uh, let me just add a word of emphasis on the Beatrice class. Uh, for those of you that maybe came from more of a traditional church setting, you might be used to something called membership at church. We don't do membership here at Trace, but what we do want is for you to fully own the mission that we have set out to, to own ourselves, which is the mission of God. And our specific on-mission statement here at Trace is to leave a trace of God's love everywhere that we go. And if you'll take that class, if nothing else, you're going to get a free t-shirt. So I would join the class just for that. Uh, but again, it's next week, 930 service. I'm personally going to teach that class. And so I want to uh, just personally invite you Come and be a part of that with us. Uh, it gives me a chance to get to know some of you more personally and also give you an opportunity to ask questions about who we are and what makes us tick kind of as a church. What is it we're going after? Some of the behind the scenes footage, if you will. So again, I want to encourage you to take that class. And if you haven't yet signed up for that, you can do so at guest services after this service time. Well, hey, I want to uh, bring attention to something that happened last week that was actually really, really cool. Uh, last week, we had somebody tuning in uh, online from Egypt. And it wasn't just anyone. Uh, Corey and I have a friend, uh, a common friend, and we've been over to Egypt twice now, and we've gotten to know this guy. His name's Ayman. He's a Muslim man that we have just come to love. And uh, Ayman tuned in last, uh, last week for the first time. And so, Ayman, if you're watching today, can we just welcome him online for tuning in? It's amazing to see how the gospel message is being delivered all around the world, literally through Trace because of technology. And just real quick, for those of you that are watching online, if you don't mind just underneath uh, the little window of where you're watching right now, you can actually make a comment of where you're watching from today, and we'd love to see that. So if you'll do that, that would be great. Well, guys, today we are continuing in our Steps series. And last week, just a recap, we talked about this one thing, this idea that it's the steps towards Jesus that we take in our life that prepare us for even greater greater purposes. Now, there's something that I wish I would have mentioned last week. This happens from time to time after I get done with a sermon. I'm like, oh man, why didn't I bring that up? And so this is one of those moments, and I'm going to actually take the opportunity this morning to tell you what that comment was, and it's this statement right here. Our first step away from God is usually so small that we don't even know that we took it. Our first step away from God is usually so small that we don't even know that we've taken it. And friends, this is just another reminder for all of us to be watching the steps that we're taking in our life because they are leading us somewhere. And when we don't pay attention and make our steps intentional, directing us in the path, not only that we want to go, but where God wants us to go, we can actually really easily take a step away from God. And it's usually so small, we don't even know that we've taken it. It could be the way that you're living your life. It could be the things that you're watching. It could be the things that you're saying, specifically like gossip, which reminds me, of a gal up in Woodland Park. Her name's Margie. She's known as the town gossip. And Margie has just developed this reputation where it's like, man, you don't tell anything to Margie because if you do, she's going to tell everybody else. And she was a part of a little local church up there. And there was an, also another guy there uh, at that same church and his name was Fred. And one night Margie was driving home and she saw that Fred's truck was parked outside of a bar, the local bar in Woodland Park. And so she automatically assumed, well, if Fred's truck's outside of the bar, He's an alcoholic. And so she goes back to church and she starts telling everybody that Fred is an alcoholic. Now this news gets back to Fred and people are asking like, Fred, are you going to say anything to Margie about this? 
He said, no, I'm not going to say anything. But what Fred did decide to do is park his truck outside of Margie's house for an entire night. Yeah, takes you a second there, doesn't it? (laughs) Still landing for some of you. just, Just give it some time. Guys, even though our first step away from God can be so small that we, we don't even know that we've taken it. Our first steps towards God aren't as difficult as we make them out to be sometimes. Today, what I'd actually like to do, the kind of conversation I want to have is on a particular subject. I want us to mind down on one particular subject. It's a step that Jesus makes crystal clear throughout his gospel of something that he wants us to put in place in our life if we've chosen to follow him. And so what I want us to talk about today is the subject of serving. Now, I want to do this in a non-traditional way. And what I mean by that is I don't just want to get up here and say, Jesus said to serve, so go serve. I want to come at this at a different angle because for us here at Trace, it's a lot more than just taking the step to serve. It's more of a different approach to life altogether. And so what I would beg you to consider this morning, and I'm going to come back to this over and over again. What I would beg for you to consider this morning is a different approach to life. And what I mean by that is instead of a me approach to life, I want you to take a team approach to life. And that's going to make more sense as we get further into this sermon and our time together. And the one thing that we're going to come back to, again, this is actually not even going to make sense to you, but if there was one thing that I would hope that each and every one of you would walk away with this morning, it's these four words right here. Not so with you. Not so with you that's going to make more sense as we get further into this. So let me start here. Do you know that there's a question that you subconsciously ask yourself all the time? Some of you more than others, but I can assure you, you have asked yourself this question before in life. And this is not just some innocent question. This question actually becomes one of the biggest obstacles that is standing in the way of you and what it is that God has for you, specifically the next step that he has for you. And this little question sounds something like this. What should I do about me? It's this approach to life where it's like, well, well, what about me? What's in it for me? What should I do about me? Now, what I'm not saying is that you can't focus to some extent on your life. We all get this. There's a healthy amount of focus where it's like, hey, if you want to become a better leader, great. If you want to get out of debt, then, you know, put the action steps in place to get out of debt. If you want to pay more attention to your health, those are all good things. If you want to go on great vacations with your family, good stuff, right? There's a certain amount of focus on ourselves that's healthy. But what I'm talking about is more of this subconscious direction that we have in our lives. Again, we don't always know that we're even taking it. We don't always know that we're even asking ourselves this question. And when we keep coming back to this idea of, well, what's in it for me? What do I do about me? What about me? What that does is it begins to cause us subconsciously, again, at times, it causes us to lose sight of what's happening around us, specifically We lose sight of pain, we lose sight of suffering, we lose sight of heartache, not in our own lives, but in the lives of others. Do you know that when you decided to follow Jesus, you actually opted out of this way of thinking, this what about me way of thinking? Now, some of you may be hearing that for the first time, you're like, I I did, I didn't know that was a prerequisite to become a Christ follower. But Jesus makes this crystal clear because this what about me approach to life is in direct conflict to the life that he's actually calling us to. He makes this clear in Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 23. Here's what he says. Whoever wants to be my disciple, and disciple, the Greek word there, student, whoever wants to follow after me, whoever wants to learn from me, 
and a different way to live. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their own cross daily, which just means make your own sacrifices and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Lose what? Lose sight of yourself. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world? Right? What good is it if you actually pursue your own self-interest your entire life and you gain everything that you hope to gain, but in the process lose or forfeit their very self? Other versions of the Bible say their very soul. As followers of Jesus, we actually deny ourselves the right to make this life about us. So when it comes to what it looks like to follow Jesus, it's not about when it's convenient. It's not about when it serves you well. It's not about when it feels right because too many of us are following our emotions and feelings these days. Jesus says daily, daily, deny yourself, pick up your own cross, learn what it looks like to make your own sacrifices and follow me. In other words, Jesus is telling us that this self-serving approach to life, this what about me approach to life is always going to be in direct conflict to this self-denying aspect of life that he is calling us to. Friends, in our lives, we're always going to have what I would call a natural drift. Listen to me on this. This is so huge. We're always going to have this natural drift where our life is just going to drift towards things, but it will almost never naturally drift towards God. It will almost always naturally drift away from him, whether it be because of our own sin or temptation or selfish ambitions. Our natural drifts in life will almost always lead us away from God, right? That first step away from God is usually so small that we don't even know that we've taken it. So for those of us in this room that have made the choice to say, Jesus, my life is yours, I'm handing over the keys, we are denying this what about me approach to life? And so even for those of you in here that maybe haven't made that decision yet, for those of you in here that are still thinking like, is this something that I actually wanna commit my life to? Like I think there's something inside of all of us that knows this is the better way to live. It's the better way to live. And so what I want you to walk away with this morning is a change of mindset. And instead of approaching life with what about me, a better question, a better question is this right here. What should I do about what's happening around me? What should I do? What should I do about what I see happening around me? And it's hard to think that way when we approach life with this mindset, what, what about me? Several years ago, um, I got on a plane and was heading back to Kentucky. And uh, God does this thing with me. When I get on planes, he al almost always puts somebody beside me that like, needs to hear about Jesus. And so I have had some really interesting conversations uh, with people on airplanes. But this particular airplane, I'm just going to be honest with you, this particular ride on an airplane and flight, um, I, I kind of remember having this conversation with God, which is like, God, I'm tired like, right now. I just want to put my earphones in, listen to some Ed Sheeran, right? I mean, that's holy in and of itself. Not really. But I just want to tune out. I, was, I just want to tune out, but God didn't listen to me. He, he has a tendency not to do that at times. And so this woman sits down beside me and she strikes up a conversation. Now listen to me. When I say that we need to have a new approach to life, what should I do about what's happening around me? One of the things that that does is it brings about an awareness of what's happening around our lives, but it doesn't just mean of what, you, it doesn't just mean 
what do you need to do for someone else? By making yourself available and opening yourself up to what's happening around you, it's also what God's trying to do through other people for you. There's also a receiving end to this. Because that lady who sat down beside me that day on an airplane, that wasn't for me to do something. That was for me to receive something. That wasn't about me. Let me make a long story short. To this date, that lady who sat down beside me that day on that airplane, stranger, complete stranger, has now invested about $40,000 in this church. Sometimes God just wants you to be aware of what's happening around you, not because he needs you to do something, because he needs you to receive something. That's a message that I've got to hear more often because as a pastor, I feel like I'm the one that's always supposed to be doing. But sometimes it's about receiving as well. There's a verse that God seems to bring me back to very often on this particular subject. And since most of us are like the rest of us, my guess is that this is a struggle for you as well. And so I would love for each and every one of you to attempt to memorize this verse. I call it a, an M&M, a must-memorize verse because of how much truth it brings to our lives. It's in Philippians chapter 2. It says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do absolutely nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others. Don't take a me too approach. Don't take a what about me approach to life. Take a what do I do about what's happening around me approach to life. Guys, listen to me. Isn't there something inside of each of us that knows that this is the better way to live? Right? Isn't this why every time we see somebody sacrifice their own self-interest so that they can focus better on someone else's life, like they put aside their own agenda so they can make themselves available, like there's something inspiring about that. It's almost as if God has implanted something deep in our souls that every time we see this played out, every time we see a selfless act of serving played out, it's almost as if, as if the Spirit of God is nudging us in that direction because it's a connection that God is trying to help us make because that's the life that he has called us to. Moments like this right here. Check this out. Doesn't that make you want to be a better human being, honestly? Here was a perfect opportunity for this young man to lose sight of his friend and celebrate his accomplishment. But he chose to sidestep his teammates. You notice that? He chose to sidestep his teammates in order to empathize first with a friend. I can assure you that this young man had already made several steps in his life toward this kind of selfless posture. You don't just arrive there. There are steps that we begin to take today to lead us there. Friends, our natural posture will honestly be contrary to this. Our natural posture is not to say, what do I do about what's happening around me? Our natural posture typically is, what about me? 
What's in it for me? What do I do about me? One of the most profound lessons, if you ask me, that Jesus ever gives his disciples is actually on the tension between these two subjects, the tension between this what about me approach to life versus what do I do about what's happening around me approach to life. And I want to read that for you this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 32. Here's how it begins. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen to him. He says this, We're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him, condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, one of the worst forms of Roman torture, and kill him. And three days later, he will rise. Let's pause there for a second. I know it's hard for us to identify with maybe what the disciples would have been going through in that moment, but how would you respond? You're following this guy who claims to be the Messiah. He's following through on everything that he said he was going to do. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's performing miracles. And then he sits you down. Says, hey, boys, come over here. Sit, sit down on the rock here. And he unfolds for you in the most excruciating death. What would be your response? Let me show you what the response was from James and John. Verse 35, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Our natural drift in life will not be towards God. It'll be away from him. In this moment, let me paraphrase. I mean, these guys are listening to Jesus unfold this excruciating death that's going to happen. Jesus is predicting his own death. And so then John and James, maybe see that this is their opportunity. So let me paraphrase. They kind of say, like, Jesus, that sucks for you, man. I hate that this is like what's going to happen. And I don't know exactly when it's going to happen. So it might be too late if we wait too long to tell you what we actually want from you, like what's in it for us. And so before we get there, can we just kind of ask, you know, can we, can we ask for something? Here's what they asked for. He, well, first he says this, what do you want for me? What do you want for me to do? I imagine that comes with a sigh. What do you want me to do for you. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. In other words, Jesus, like when you get to heaven and in your, in all your glory and whatever that means, like, will you put one of us on your left, one of us on your right? It really doesn't matter who, like you can put James on the left and I'll be on the right. It doesn't really matter, Jesus. We just want to make sure that we're in a position of authority. We want to have some prestige ourselves. We would like to have some power. We'd like to be known. James and John are taking a what about me approach to life in this moment? And Jesus sees this really clearly. And so again, I imagine he says, all right, boys, everybody under the sycamore tree, we got a lesson I need to teach you here. Verse 41, when the 10 heard about this, they became, an in, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, how they lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. What Jesus is doing in this moment is he's taking something contextual, something they can understand. And more or less, he's saying, you know how the, have, the haves of this world like to point out to the have-nots that they don't have what they have? Have you noticed that they like to like lord their authority over people and make sure people know their position? Make sure that they're separated. Hey, you don't identify with who we are because we're the haves and you're the have-nots. And have you, have you noticed, fellas, how this is kind of a what about me approach to life? 
Very next words. Not so with you. When it comes to what you can get out of this life and what's in it for you, Jesus says, not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, meaning you can pursue greatness. I'm not saying you can't pursue greatness, but instead, whoever wants to become great among you must first be your servant. And whoever wants to be first, I'm sorry, whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man, even the Messiah himself, did not come to serve. Probably one of the most profound verses in all of Scripture, folks. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom, not for a few, but for many. Let me paraphrase that. Do you want to build your portfolio? Do you want to grow a business? Do you want to make wise investments? Do you want to rise in leadership at your current job? Jesus says, great. And by the way, if you want to be great, if you want to pursue greatness, however you would define that, make sure that the starting point or the beginning of everything that you ultimately want to become in life begins with a posture of serving. Because even the Son of Man, the Messiah himself, came to serve and not be served. So friends, listen to me. If you want to follow Jesus, when it comes to a what about me approach to life, Jesus says, not so. Not so with you. So let me take us all the way back to where we began this morning. Instead of a what about me, Instead of a what about me approach to life, guys, I want you to strongly consider this morning with asking the better question. And the better question is, what do I do about what's happening around me? And the quick answer, if I could give you a quick answer, it'd be this. We make it better. We attempt to make the lives of others better. How? Jesus made it crystal clear through the context of being a servant first. So here's where I want to make an unashamed plug for our church. Because friends, when it comes to what we're trying to accomplish here, it's not about any one person. Well, I actually could say that differently. It is about one person. It's about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about Corey. It's not about any one individual in this room. And so we want to take a team approach to everything that we do here at Trace. Some of you have been around here long enough to know that we have three particular asks. We don't want to like put a bunch of things in front of you and say, hey, go for it. Go, go do all this and accomplish this. We believe in these three contexts, you will actually experience some of the greatest steps that you can make towards God. So we've said we want everyone in a group. We want everyone on a team and we want everyone investing in kids. Now, some of you remember, we used to say that we want everyone on a trip. And we're not minimizing global trips by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and the reason we changed it is because we still want everybody to go on a global trip down to Guatemala. That's our global focus here at Trace. But when you do that, you're actually joining a team of people to go down to Guatemala and to, and to go down there to serve. And so uh, we decided that this is more of the tribal language that we want to have around here to Trace, a team approach to everything that we do. And friends, when we take a team approach to life, to faith, to church, it's not about what we get to do for ourselves, it's about what we get to do for others. And God begins to show us when we take a team approach to life, to faith, to church, God begins to show us that this life, it's not about you. It's about how you can serve others. I think we get this, don't we? I mean, 
being a part of a team, we're always going to be able to accomplish more than we ever could on our own. Even LeBron James can't beat the Golden State Warriors by himself. Or maybe he could. I'm honestly, I mean, maybe he could. Friends, a team approach to church says, how can we make this better for others? A team approach to church says, there are things that God has gifted me to do, and I want to use them to make this church better. A team approach to church says, when it comes to our faith, we don't want anyone left out. We want everyone to feel included, to feel like they can be a part of something bigger than themselves. And so all your friends, everybody that you know that is far from God right now, we want to create an atmosphere, an environment here where when they come, they don't feel like they're isolated or left out, that they are being included into a bigger team. Honestly, this is why we handed out these shirts. We wanted to create a team dynamic, understanding that we're all on mission. These little traces that go in a circle, we're all on mission in our lives to leave traces of God's love wherever we are at. Friends, will you help us take a team approach to church? Because again, Jesus couldn't have been clear. This is not about you. So here's what I want to do. I want to I want to finish by bringing up our one thing one more time. And just a reminder, if there's anything that I would want you to leave with today, it would be these four words right here. When it comes to a what about me approach to life, not so with you. Not so with you. So here's what I'd like to do. And I need some crowd participation on this. I'm going to read five statements. And after I read each of these five statements, I'm just going to point to this. And when I point to it, I just want you to say, not so with you. Let's practice. Ready? You got it. So let's do this and we're going to close. So when I feel like all I should do is attend a church. When I have the tendency to get upset because the church isn't appealing directly to my needs. When I feel the urge to serve and then I make the excuse, you know what? Somebody else will do that. When I begin to get so wrapped up in my own life that I don't make time to invest in God's kingdom. When I think I have nothing to offer a team because my life is too broken and messy. Remember on that note, it's not always about what you're going to be able to offer the team. It's about what the team is going to be able to offer you. It's about what God is going to do in and through you because sometimes you just need to be on the receiving end. One more statement. When Corey and I have a lip sync battle here in a couple months and you have the tendency to want to vote for him because you think he did a better job than I did. (laughs) Just remember that. Just remember that. Guys, let me pray for us. Father, uh, we truly need your help here because the natural drift of our lives is going to be away from you. There are steps that we are already taking in our life and they've been so subtle, they've been so small and there are steps that that we're taking away from you but they're so small we don't even know that we've taken them. Father, there's a kind of a rewiring of our brain that needs to take place. And of course, we need your help with that. A rewiring that says that we're not going to take a what about me approach to life, that we're going to take a different approach to life. We're going to ask a better question. And that better question is, what, what can we do about what we see happening around us? And God, if we'll do this as a team, I have no doubt that we will be able to accomplish bigger and greater things far beyond our imagination. The sky truly is the limit. And so God, I pray that you continue to show us how we can begin taking steps in your direction by beginning with a platform, by beginning with a posture of serving first. But God, we need your help. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.